everybody welcome to the 224th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage man this is this is the first time in the history of the holy backboard that i have decorated any bit of my uh my background um i got the uh blazers decade uh prints hanging up behind me and then i got uh a, a poster that dustin gave me of chuck and alan iverson also uh hung up so you know i'm I'm getting older and i wanted to spruce up my room and you know my living environment um like it makes me like there's a song by odyssey where he's talking about how he's getting older and you know like things are he wants to stay home more and i identify with that shit so heavy now it's like i'm trying to make my home my home man this is oh this is old talk from from young god sage right here man when I knew you were just a little pup, now you're a dude. Like I put on a clean shirt, and I bragged to you about that process. <laughs> I bragged to you, yo, dog. I'm wearing a clean shirt with sleeves today, dog. <laughs> this COVID shit's crazy. <laughs> it is. Uh, I have a blazer room in, in my house, and like figuring out what to add, what to move around. That like gets me through quarantine. Like I really want to make it like perfect because it's like all of my memorabilia, all of the, the local art that I have, everything I've had since my childhood, things that I've wanted that I didn't have in my childhood, like just, just to make it perfect. And it's just, it's something to keep your mind off of what's going on. And I think that's why a lot of us relate to sports and especially during the pandemic, got to stay home. We got to stay locked in. This is something that can help us kind of just process and move on. And, you know, if, if you're watching a game for two and a half, three hours, and whether you're happy or, or upset with the result, your mind's elsewhere. And I think it's nice to give our minds a break um, when it's been basically a year of just an onslaught of just terrible news. I mean, more than a year, but this last year has been just incredibly difficult for all of us. So whatever is your outlet, you know, really did, d- really deep dive into it. And this is another reason why I love doing these weekly episodes with you, Sage, like Sunday nights. I know it's me and you, uh, we're just gonna shoot the shit and yeah. yeah scheduled like person to person communication. And I, I see a lot of people like are getting into the arts or live streaming or, you know, doing their passion projects. Shout out to everybody that's doing something that they love, whether it be art or watching sports, learning, you know, learning the game of basketball, which is so complex and so many layered, layered things. So shout out to everybody for uh, surviving this pandemic. And that like, that is what's up. If, as long as you can find something to put your focus on, that's great. But we are focusing on the Portland Trailblazers right now. And the Blazers, it, it's not as dire as a pandemic, clearly, but they are, they are trying to survive right maintain now. Without, with, maintain for Dame is what we said last week maintain for Dame, you know, we're doing it without, without CJ, without Nurkic, without Zach. We missed a game, two games this week with, with Robert Covington out. Derek Jones Jr. missed, missed the last game. And it's, it's been an up and down season, but the Blazers managed to go one and two, not the results we necessarily wanted this week, 
but they were all close contests. Uh, they drop a three-point game, 122 to 125, uh, Monday against the Thunder that ended that homestand. They went out east on the road trip. They stopped off in Houston first, uh, losing on TNT 104-101 in a game in which they were up 30-10 to 10 at one point. And then they had probably the most improbable victory that we can all remember a, a 123-122 absolute Dame time classic in the Windy City. A nice little uh, payback for the blown lead earlier this year against Chicago Bulls. They get it done. So the Blazers right now, Sage, sitting at 10-8. and eight, And it's not where we want to be. The schedule has been very light. So you're not feeling great. But at the same time, you've dealt with a lot of injuries. And... You're four and a half games out of first, and really, you're you have eight losses. Denver has eight losses as well. They're in fourth. They only have two extra wins. So you're only a game back of Denver, four fourth. And Denver hasn't had the just immense amount of injuries that we have. Like, hopefully, this is like this is the one bad patch, and we can get healthy. Like other teams are dealing with it with COVID and some injuries, but. We've lost a lot of our starting talent. Like th- this is this is where we're just in survival mode of trying to just get as many wins as we can because reinforcements are coming. Luckily, none of these are in uh, season enders. They will come back. So it's it's about maintaining. <clears throat> in this time, how are you feeling about like your expectations? Obviously, with what's happening now, you kind of have to lower them. Or how how are you feeling with in regards to? what we're seeing on the court. I, I would say that there is a very good likelihood. We we could have, we, we could have, we should have been 0 and three this week. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> so while it was great to get that victory, I think Portland, if we are, you know, we're an honest podcast here. We praise them when we do well and we criticize when there's area for improvement. So we're looking through this as straight as we can. I would say if you're a Blazer fan right now, you can't be happy giving up 125 points and losing to an equally depleted Oklahoma City Thunder team who didn't play without George Hill, who didn't play without Al Horford, and was also on the second night of a back-to-back. You then have a 20-point lead against the Houston Rockets, who, yes, I know they're on a nice little win streak right now, but that team doesn't have anybody that resembles Damian Lillard. We should have went in there and, again, handled business. Like, the schedule's going to pick up. My worry right now is we are leaving a lot of winnable games on the table and that when we do get our reinforcements back, it it may be like last year where we just dug ourselves too deep mm. of a hole. Like, to me, to me, just making the playoffs is not a goal. Like, we've had this core for four or five years now in terms of the big three we need to start looking at second round, third round, and it's going to be incredibly difficult if you draw the Lakers or the Clippers in round one. Mm. So that's why I'm feeling a little cautious right now. Now, if you, there's four more games on this road trip, if you can split the road games, that's fine. And I think we're playing pretty well on the road, all things Mm -hmm. um, factored in it's, it's the home games that we lose. And I, I get it. There's really no home court advantage the fans play such an integral part in all of sports, but especially basketball with so many possessions up and down. But right now the Blazers, we're just trying to stay afloat. And we, I remember distinctly using that verbiage last season when we had Zach Collins go down and we were waiting for Nurk to get back 
just just stay above water. We didn't stay above water, and it was not Dame's fault. We just didn't have the horses. Now we're going to see if some of those young pieces are able to rise to the occasion. You did bring in two vets in DJ and Rocco. You have a legitimate, uh, consistent player in in Ennis Cantor. Now is the time to see, like, I think where Portland ends when the season is over, we can look back at this. I think February is going to be very telling. You know, can we survive the month of February? Because that essentially takes us through the first half of the season. If you do that, you're going to feel really good about yourselves. But if we start taking on water and going under, um, we're also awfully close to that point where we might want to start trying to keep our pick for this year because it is lottery protected. So Mm. Portland, nothing I saw this week, I would say, swayed me one way or the other. It was just basically enjoying watching the brilliance of Damian Lillard. Yeah, I I think that where we are at, it's like, it's kind of premature to, think of Kate Cunningham or play. there's so much time left. So I think we're just trying to maintain that. Like that, that is how I uh, am taking it. It's like, I'm, we're trying to maintain. We're not playing the quality of basketball that a lot of us are ex- expected this year. And when I'm watching the games, I'm trying to find those bits and pieces of like, Oh, Rodney hood really did a good rotation here to force the miss. Anthony Simons got into the lane and passed it out for an open three or Rodney hood looks good with the ball in his hands. And he actually has vision to see open shooters, Robert Covington dribble drove and got a lay in like the things that I'm trying to pay extra attention to and even tweet out. Like when Ennis gets a rebound and there's three people near the rim, he actually passes it out like sometimes to open shooters. And when defenses are scrambling for that rebound passing it to an open shooter is like the most efficient thing you can possibly do so i'm just trying to i don't think we're we're a top two team i don't think i think that my um my prediction of us being that good is uh out of the window but i think i think we're a playoff team when healthy and we're just trying to get get as many wins as possible with this this unit of players that are available so looking at the Blazers, especially, I, I think what we saw these three games was basically a microcosm of the entire season. We play one to two good quarters of defense, but the other two to three quarters, we're just a sieve. Um, mm. We go back to the Oklahoma City game. You've got Mike Muscala, who I distinctly remember going one for nine the previous night against the Clippers because I looked it up preparing for this podcast. Yet he was open Every time down the floor, he shot the ball 12 times, 10 from behind the arc. He had 23 points, hit six three-pointers. He was open every single time. You look at the Chicago Bulls and Lowry Markkinen, I believe it was a career-high 31 Mm -hmm. for him. He, again, six of 10 from behind the arc. Sage, how does this keep happening? Why, Why are we leaving elite shooters just wide open in our in our rotations? Is... It seems to me like we're rotating for the sake of rotating. Like don't, there should be certain players where you just say, don't leave off of them. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have a player like Hamadou Diallo or as good of a shooter as he is. I think you could get away with someone like. Letting shave you. Yeah. yeah. Like, or Otto Porter. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't hot. Like but I saw I think so that, many that... times where we tried to make the right call, mm-hmm. but 
instead of just sticking to the shooter, we, we rotated over and it burnt us. But I think that there's an improvement in that we're at least trying. Last year, I don't think we actually tried to rotate correctly. And I distinctly remember us with Nurkic and CJ Healthy and uh, against the Cavaliers when it was LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. Kevin Love broke the record in points in a quarter. So we've had this problem for years. It's not a new thing. The new thing is that we rotate a little bit. Like it, It's been a problem in the Terry Sat scheme where it seems like the center and then the person who's they're uh, running the pick and uh, pop with don't communicate well and they go to the same person a lot of the time. So I think it's a communication error, not a, not a, uh, like a scheme error. I think like you, you, when you watch this team, it's a lot of the times they don't communicate. And then the opposing team takes advantage of the open shot that's created by us not communicating on the uh, perimeter. And then I think Ennis Cantor isn't that good of a, perimeter guy so we have to find ways so he can stay in the paint as much as possible because as we've seen when he's not on the court we can't get rebounds for shit this team does not want to board we don't want to box out and board at all so like Ennis Cantor even though he's not in plus matchups we have to find a way to get him 30 minutes because he's the one person on the team that can board the uh the stats uh for the Houston game in 20 minutes, he gets like 18 potential rebound chances. Like no one on our team is anywhere near that. He is an elite, elite rebounder. So like him getting more chances, he's going to climb up that that uh, that that rebound list very quickly. So you mentioned that there was improvement from this year to last year, mm-hmm. but the, the statistics still say we're just as atrocious. We give up 116 points a night. That's 25th in the NBA. Our defensive rating is over 115. That's second to last. My question to you, Sage, is, is the improvement we're seeing enough? Is it enough to actually make a, a make any sort of damage come postseason time? Like Damian Lillard continued his brilliance and – I just feel like we're not going quick enough. Like we don't have a developmental team where we're like, yeah, we move up two spots on the, on the ratings list a year after year. That's fine. Like, no, we are a veteran team Mm. built to win now who brought in two defensive minded players with our, with our assets that we could with our avenues, excuse me, in the off season. And it's not making one bit uh, of a difference. So yeah, that's my question. Like I I think statistically it isn't. But you, when you're watching this team, you know that there's a – we're better. We're still awful, but we're better, right? Like, at least when I watch it, it's like, oh, at least we were in the frame that I'm watching. At least there's a Blazers trying to close out. Are we a good team? Absolutely. Is that the bar really that low for us? Like, honestly, is is because it, it seems like that's that's a low bar for me. It is, but, you know, positives. Like, at least we are rotating. So – I understand like looking for positives, but I also want to make sure that the organization has a level of self-awareness necessary to operate because again, we're, we're watching greatness every night with Damien Lillard. Mm. We, we need to really be honest with ourselves and say, is what we're doing? Are we seeing enough? Because we, we have assets. I still think it is a good roster. You could make a decision on the coaching staff at the end of the season. Nothing really ever does helps anybody changing staffs uh, midseason. 
but I, I think this is a really important evaluation period for this coaching staff and a lot of the players, like who's going to rise to the occasion because Sage, there is opportunities aplenty for a lot of players right now. I mean, we are running an eight, nine man roster, not a rotation, basically our roster. So everyone's getting Sound familiar uh, from last year, doesn't it? Yeah, but we got professional NBA players like <laughs> I still, you know, let's look at it. Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, both in their third year. Carmelo, been in the league since I graduated high school. Ennis is the consummate pro. He's been doing this. He's basically a walking 2010 anytime he steps on the floor. DJ started for a finals team last year. Rocco has been in it. I mean, we're not talking about like we're playing CJ Ellaby and Kelgen Blevins. Like it's not like it wasn't as bad as last year when we had Tolliver and Hazonia, Pau Gasol didn't play. Like the roster is, I think, significantly better. It's significantly better. What I'm just trying to say is I think I need to see a lot. I think we need to, a lot of improvement from now until we hit the postseason. How much think- improvement do you need? Like if we're talking about defensive rating, for instance, Let's just take out all of the dog shit that's happened in the last uh, the last year or the last uh, however many games we played from Milwaukee till the uh, end of the first half. What are you trying to look for in terms of like if we're talking about rankings, what are you trying to look for? You know, I still think we're going to get run out of the gym if we played a team like Brooklyn or Milwaukee we need our full roster to, mm. to really compete with them. I want to see, and then we're going to see it this week. We play the New York Knicks again. The New York Knicks, yeah, they might have had a nice start. That's not a good team. It's just not. And we 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 beat them at home shorthanded. When we play teams like the Knicks and the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Chicago Bulls, like we can't be giving up 115, 120, 125. Like there's got to be nights that we actually played. Like I thought we played really good defense against the Houston Rockets. It's kind of a travesty. We lost that game only allowing 104 points. And I believe they shot just atrocious. They shot 13 of 47 for 28% from three. Like that's a game that you should have won. You played pretty damn well defensively. Now we went stretches where we just decided not to stop ball and we gave a lot of fast break points. So two things I want to see. You go, you go up against teams you should beat. You should beat them, and you should look good doing so. Also, can we get a consistent 48 minutes of basketball on the defensive end? Because we look at the Atlanta game. We gave up 40 points in the second half. Fantastic. But there's too many stretches where you give up 125 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You give up 122 to the Chicago Bulls, like 126 to the Kings just you know a couple weeks ago. We have to be able to play decent defense. And I know modern NBA, there's going to be a lot of uh, possessions, the scores. It's going to be impossible to hold a team under 100. I'm, I'm not naive in that sense. But 105, 107, 110 against, I would say, non-playoff teams, I, I don't think that's a lot to ask for. I mean, so that's what I need to see. I just want to see us win against bad teams. I, it can be 130 to 128 as long as we win. And I guess I would be much more lenient on this had I seen a Blazer team fully healthy early on not look like dog shit on defense because we did early on. So it's not like we can lean back and say, oh, once we get healthy, everything's going to be fine. 
and I get it. We had some new pieces and we were trying to uh, get everybody initiated and it's a short off season and you're playing every other day. But again, when you address these issues in the off season and you still look bad, that, that gives me pause. So we're talking the, the season as a whole right now, where we're at, everything we've dealt with. I'm 50, 50. Like I, I don't, this team, I could, if you were to say this team's going to go on a win streak and, you know, once Nurk and CJ come back, we're sitting in fifth or sixth. I could believe that. If you could say we're down in the bottom dwellers with the Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would uh, say you're probably right there as well. So, like, I'm still in a wait-and-see approach. I'm still studying this team, mm-hmm. seeing how they continue to perform down a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a maintain for Dame. I'm I'm just trying to watch some games and hopefully see improvement. And we have seen improvement from Anthony Simons has looked his best as a pro right now. I think Gary Trent, and I I assume that we will talk more about Gary Trent, has looked fantastic in the starting role. I mean, let's talk about GT right now. I mean, that's that's one of my starting five. That was my first talking point because I thought he – he has he has been in the starting role. Um, let's look at the this last week of games. He played no fewer than thirty seven minutes. He's averaging twenty one points. He's hit at least four threes in every game. In Houston game, he was on fire. I think he tied a career high seven threes. Um, he's shooting incredibly, almost over fifty percent every game. Four steals against Chicago, including that tie up on Levine and winning the tip against Levine. And I was watching that and I was like. Of course, we're tied up against Zach Levine. If there's anybody more athletic than Derek Jones Jr. in the NBA, it's <laughs> Zach Levine. Yep. And Gary won the tip, and, and it went to went to Dame. But um, I, I've really enjoyed Gary getting the start. And I, I understand that Roddy did a good job against the Spurs. But, you know, there is an opportunity when you have players injured, and one of those opportunities is to see how a young player can develop giving, given a serious role. Um, like we're still in the playoff picture and he's playing alongside the best point guard in the league. Like a lot of Blazer fans have wanted to know, could this backcourt work out? Because you got a little bit more effort on the defensive end for, from Gary and he's more of a catch and shoot. Um, I've really been impressed uh, with his decision-making. He hasn't felt like he's doing too much. Uh, I think a lot of players early on in the season, when we had all of those healthy bodies, we're kind of rushing and they're like, okay, I'm going to get my five, 10 minutes. I, I got to do, I got to do me. Like I got to get my mm-hmm. shots off and it wasn't coming in the rhythm of the offense. But, but now Gary's like, I know I'm going to be out there 30, 40 minutes, 30, yeah. 40 minutes a night. I can let the game come to me. I can pick my spots. I think he's wonderful. Um, when they swing it around the perimeter, um, he's floor spacer. But again, once you get him dialed up and it doesn't take much for him to dial up, I think the team feeds off of him. So that's another thing that, yeah, I want to look at, like, can he be a tone setter? Because there's no analytics for intangibles like that. Like Draymond Green in his prime was a tone setter. You know, it was a big game. He's going to come out. He's going to set the tone and everyone is going to feed off of him. He's like a magnet and it's just got that, that gravitational pull. I think Gary, even as a 22 year old, has that sort of pull on this roster when it comes to his effort, his energy, his intensity on that end of the floor. And then it just, his value just increases tenfold when he's hitting those threes, he's starting to snarl. Like he's not going to, he's not out there for hugs and, and, hand, and, and, you know, hand pounds. He's just out there. Like everyone is the enemy. Like if you're not in, in the red and black, like he, 
Gary's not fucking with you. And as an old school basketball fan, I love that shit. You talked about the catch and shoot, but he he shows his versatility as a shooter. When we talked about Sadiq Bay versus Desmond Bain, I think one of the big pluses for me was that Desmond was a better shooter in different scenarios. Gary is showing that he can score off the bounce, shooting and moving. That that shows versatility. And every additional thing he shows, it's like an extra bonus. And for clutch management, it's an extra 100000 here, an extra million here. You see, you see the catch and shoot, and it's really good. And I think as a DM3 shooter, that's the baseline. You have to be able to shoot at a good percentage, not great, but good, and play off-ball defense. And that's what a DM3 is. But when you look at Gary Trent, that's not what he can do. You see him as a movement shooter. When Dame drives to the lane, he will he will move to the best angle that he can in his role. And he's either in the slot, the wing, on either side of the court. So he does as much as he possibly can to make things easier for Dame when he's dribble driving. So he's a good movement shooter. He's a good catch and shoot. And then you watch him when he's in transition. You see him get a steal and then go to the three-point line and score. He can create for himself. And we've talked about it. We only have two creators. Gary Trent has shown the potential of being a very good uh, off-the-bounce shooter. You see it with his shooting on threes, and you see him drive it, do a step back to the right where it's like 18 feet, and drain it. He is showing a lot in this time. For a DM3, they're mostly a team defender. He's a really good on-ball defender, a point-of-attack defender. So all of this is just adding to his value. There's a lot of value from Gary Trent as a basketball player, as a versatile scorer, as a lockdown defender, energy guy. He is a he is not a DN3. He is a potential glue guy for a franchise. Hopefully it's our franchise, but my next topic that I wanted to cover, and it kind of flows perfectly into this because you already mentioned him, was Anthony Simons, who had 26 points on 6 of 10 from downtown uh, against the Thunder. He also had a pretty nice game against the uh, Chicago Bulls. Um, Eight points, four rebounds. Didn't shoot the ball well, but he got good looks. I noticed he does fly in for rebounds a lot. He's definitely showing effort. So that's something you'd love seeing out of the guard position. You also have Rodney Hood, and you have C.J. McCollum. Sage, to me, it looks like we have oh, and C.J. Ellaby, but I think you can not really classify. We can wait him. on C.J. Ellaby. It's really you a discussion know. of the four that you mentioned previously. So to me, I think we have four strictly shooting guards. Yes, they may be able to swing over to the three or down one. I think that's CJ. a little less likely. Oh, we, yeah, CJ McCollum. Absolutely. However, I think we have a shooting guard logjam. And I think one thing that this stretch of games without McCollum will show is, is this an audition between Gary and Rodney? Both players okay, yeah. are somewhat under contract for next year. Portland controls both of their, their, their deals. Gary is obviously a restricted free agent. Rodney Hood has a unguaranteed team option. Um, what do the Blazers do here? Because it seems like the roster, while we both agree it is a good roster, it is a little unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. we have 
a lot of good players who play not only the same position, but they kind of replicate one another mm-hmm. um, as well. What do you what do you do here, Sage? I mean, uh, I, I was very afraid that you were going to mention uh, CJ McCollum versus Gary Trent, Hood versus Trent. It's it's a lot easier. Let's talk about Hood's versatility as a shooter. I think that he's a very good catch and shoot shooter. I think that he has some abilities as a as a self creator, especially when you you see him as like a one dribble pull up type of guy, or if he'll uh, post you up and get to work that way when he gets his 10 foot post shot. But if we're talking about who I'd rather build this team around, it has to be Gary Trent hood has a lot of, has a lot of pitfalls in his game that I don't, a hood's fault that he had a devastating injury, but it's something that's happened and we have to take that to count. So if you are asking me to choose between Gary Trent and Rodney hood, it has to be Gary Trent because of what he offers as a shooter and as a point of attack defender, I don't think Hood will ever be a point of attack defender ever again. Yeah, and the reason I didn't say Gary versus CJ is I one as long as Neil Olshay is the GM of this franchise, CJ McCollum is not going to get traded. Um, I don't know um, if the right player exists for for him to move him. Um, it just so I, I'm accepting that cj is the two and it's not a bad you know just acceptance I mean, cj just, is one of the it's, best it's just like, realistic and he's, he's also one of the best 30 players in the game right he's also you know the way he's playing this year i'd argue he's probably the top 20 yeah so i mean so cj is a I, very I good pet player and you can't compare gary trent's ability to self-create to cj's because it's like an elite player at doing this one thing and someone who has very good potential at doing it so uh, cj is so hard to replace as we've seen right now. Like as we're witnessing right now, CJ McCollum is very difficult to replace. Gary Trent's doing a great job stepping up in his absence, but the team's different with CJ on the court versus Gary. I mean, CJ has this ability to break down anybody with his dribble moves and getting open shot. CJ's special. CJ is so special as a scorer. I mean, he, he could be one of the best. He's one of the best scorers in franchise history. And as I've seen on my wall that behind me, we've been around for 50 years and we're seeing some, a guy from Lehigh university, just dominating the, the history books, man. It's, I would like to see a long run of those three, Gary, uh, CJ and Dame run together. I, I think that's where our offense can get really interesting. Because Gary can start at the three or he can mm-hmm. come off the bench with, with some energy. Um, so yeah, Gary's definitely, I think a keeper in, in my eyes, unless he is like the centerpiece to get us our third. The, the trade. Yeah. Yeah. The trade. I mean, and that's kind of what we're, we're hoping right now is our players start to blossom, that their value does go up. I think the biggest if for me is Anthony. And the the reason I say that is because, I think if the Blazers were to decide right now that we're going to rebuild and we're going a different direction, you give the keys to the offense to Anthony and see if he can get it done. But right now he is a straight two guard who is showing developmental signs. But what Portland needs is we need a distributor. We need a point of attack defender who can handle the ball to give Dame or and or CJ a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary can play off ball. Rodney can play off ball. Um, 
So that's where I think Anthony might be the odd man out. And I, I don't think they're going to do anything to, to move him right now because we need all of the healthy bodies we, we can the, have. We need the potential of creation too. Like, but, and- but I think, <laughs> but I think this next month will really be big for Anthony because if he can start to show some playmaking abilities and you can really start to, in, to visualize, okay, like, he can help us win in the playoffs. Then I think you're 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 set. But but from right now, Anthony's just he's a, he's a he's a six man type off the bench who is gonna kind of gun and he can. The one thing that I found from this week is he's still a very athletic driver. I'd say that for most of this season, he has exclusively been a jump shooter off the pole. And now that he has more run, you see him slash and show his. He had that nice dunk, I think, Mm -hmm. against Oklahoma City. And he had that big dunk last year against Miami. Um, Yeah, the athleticism is there. And I think you make a good point. I think he settles for for the jumper. He can get to the cup. And yeah, I know he's got to get his weight up. But those are types of plays that make me think, okay, there is a spot for for Anthony. Um, But right now, to me, I, I think. I just think there's a log jam. I think we need a little bit more help elsewhere, um, particularly uh, at the forwards position. Uh, but I've seen some potential of him as a slasher. And he, he has shown the willingness to shoot as much as he can, wants from the three. I just would like to see him get into a mode where he's slashing. I know we're all, we all think of shooting as the way to space and yeah, it's the most efficient way to space. But when you have the ball and you're slashing, take a look at what happens when Dame slashes, every head is turned his direction that creates spacing on its own when defenses have to react. So if Anthony can get on his slashing shit and show his athleticism and that bounce that he has, that could show, that could show some real, that could show, all 30 GMs, hey, this kid or this man is a has a potential in this league because that athleticism is special. And also, like with the the offenses, pace and space, the floor space, there are more driving lanes to get there mm-hmm. if you're hitting if if the team's hitting from outside and you get a couple of slashers like DJ and Ant who can really finish above the rim with some ferocity, it's gonna open things up. So It'll be an interesting trade deadline. We still got a month plus. It'll be interesting to see where the Blazers are at at the deadline. But right now, Sage, what do you not what Neil will do? What would you do? Would you ride out these injuries or would you make a move? Big move, small mover. What what kind of move are you asking me? Well, we look at Ennis Cantor, who has given it his all, but he is a bit of a defensive liability. Harry Giles really hasn't made the most of his minutes. Um, we don't know how long it's going to take Nurk to get acclimated. Like we clearly need a center. Like mm. would if there's a JaVale McGee to be had, or if somebody comes on the market, let's say uh, a Bradley Beal. I mean, I, he's not on the market, but so there, there's he wants clearly... to be on the market. Don't get, don't get it twisted. Have you seen how he, how devastated he looks after losses? There's there's two extremes of 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 the market, but mostly 
Or it could be, can we sign a free agent? We've got roster spots open. Like it seems a little reckless to play with eight or nine healthy bodies every yeah, night. Like Jordan Bell or Alex Lynn, once their 10 days are over with Washington, a team we're about to play. Like, yeah, I'm totally down for a JaVale McGee or Alex Lynn on a 10 day. I don't know if I would make a big move, especially because I would like to see what we can do with this core. But if we're talking about a small move, like getting more depth at the at a position of need, like center, like if we can get a JaVale McGee to back up Ennis or vice versa, I would definitely do it. Um, I don't know if we could package everything for a Bradley Beal, even though that would make a very fun offense. It, yeah, I would be definitely down to make a trade for a, a, a big man. Like there's a lot of talented bigs in this league. I know a lot of people think that it's a small man's game, but take a look at some of the stuff these bigs are producing. People don't talk about Nikola Vucevic, but he's one of the best centers in the game. There's a lot of great centers in the league. And if we can get someone to help, help our team maintain, I'd absolutely do it. Um, the one trade I like, I've seen this on forums and I've seen this on Facebook. Do not trade Rodney hood in a second for Lonzo ball. Please don't second overall picks. Have you seen with so many F's in their game as Lonzo Ball. And we're, he has some A's. He absolutely has A's in his ability. And that's great. But if we're talking about a lead ball handler, Lonzo Ball is not a lead ball handler in this league. He is a three that has a narrative based around him that he is a point guard. He can, he can pass really well. But he can't break down a defense. And he can't go to the free throw line. Or he can't draw fouls. And when he goes to the free throw line, it's a liability. So you're not playing him in late game situations. Please, Neil O'Shea, listen to me. I've watched every second of Lonzo Ball's career in New Orleans. You do not want to hitch your wagon to Lonzo Ball in this scenario. He is not a lead guard. I know when you watched him at UCLA, you thought, hey, this guy has potential. Yeah, he doesn't have potential like he did at UCLA. We all got tricked and bamboozled on that. Lonzo Ball is a three that has really good passing abilities. Think of a Draymond Green type of guy. You don't want to put your potential of running the backcourt on Lonzo Ball. Sorry, I had to get the Lonzo Ball rant out. No, I think if I was Neil, I would I would look at the free agent market. Is it worth a chance to kick the tires on Isaiah Thomas? Maybe you have a, re- a revitalization like you did with Carmelo Anthony. You clearly need another ball handler out hmm. there. It's, it's, it's really evident, especially when Dame goes to the bench right now. Oh, man, we give up points in bunches. There's no offense, especially the Houston game was, was a prime example. It was when Dame went to the bench, it was nothing but isolation. Nobody broke down any defense. It was a forced jumper or was a rush shot at the end of the shot clock. We had no idea what we wanted to do. There was the defense wasn't afraid of anybody. Like, that's the type of move I would make. Now, if I had gotten wind, bef- like when the Harden trade was going down, that the Nets were putting Jer Allen up there. Yes, absolutely. If you if you make a trade, it needs to be for a player that not only helps you now, but is a future piece as well. So you take the risk and say, Jarrett, you could be our, our starting center. We'll figure out Nurk and Ennis and Harry elsewhere. But if we're going to trade for you, you're going to stay here, not, not get a piece that's going to just fill in for a month and then you got your your troops coming back in mm. because one you had to give up an asset to get that player and now it's just a kind of a cluster so if you're going to make a move make sure it's for a long term uh a piece but I, I think you definitely have to hit the free agency market first i mean we we need some veteran help we need 
we need a, a ball handler. And that's mm. what, what I would, what I would find. And that ball handle isn't Lonzo ball. As much as I want him to be traded off the Pelicans, it's not Lonzo ball. So we touched on this earlier in the episode, but Damian Lillard has just been absolutely unreal um, this week. And in general, Um, he is averaging nearly the same as he did last year, about 30 and eight, but his last five games without CJ and Nurk, he is up to 34.8 points per game, damn near 50% from the field, 42% 42% from downtown, 95% from the foul line, four and a half boards, eight and a half assists, uh, only three and a half turnovers in 37 minutes per game. Sage, is this the month that Dame makes his push for legitimate MVP consideration? I mean, if we are trying to maintain, it kind of has to be. That's the only way the Blazers maintain. We saw yeah. this last year is yeah. if Dame goes into God mode. I mean, that's, that's really what, what we need. I mean, we, we need him to get 40, 40 pieces. Like it's just an everyday occurrence. Absolutely. And you saw that's, that's why we lost the Houston game. And I think he said, so um, as much, he had a little bit of a subpar performance. Yeah. I know we had 30, but he was 11 from 23 and he only had 10 of his 30 in the second half. Um, so that's crazy that we're talking about a 30 and nine performance, not being enough when you're not really getting much help elsewhere. I so mean, we, he's played 30 a game, every game now taking 21 shots and 11 of them are being three pointers. He's trying, he's trying his ass off to get us these wins. Like I think I mean, if, if, if the, we're trying to get these dubs, he has to be the alpha and omega of this team. This It's Damian Lillard's show. We don't, like, we're going to have guys that, you know, contribute, but this team and its future playoff hopes are on Damian Lillard's shoulders. It just it, it is what it is. And if the MVP was the Heisman Trophy, Dame had his Heisman moment last night. I, I can't think of another time where – a team was down by five with eight seconds and still managed to win the game. Win. I mean, the three, yeah. the three he hit before the three get us in there, yeah. you know, he's pushed six, seven feet off the line, just rises up. Clearly the, we, we talked about Gary smarts to tie it up and win it, but hoods. Robert to, yeah, Robert to, to tip it to him. And then like, I've watched the replay of that shot. We're talking the end of regulation where he's played 38 minutes. He's put out already 41 points in up to that point. He gets the ball. He has the wherewithal to find some space against marketing. He's fading away from the basket. I've seen the elevation that he got on that jumper as he's fading away to hit that over a seven footer. I mean, the Instagram videos we see of Dame training that that's not bullshit. This guy puts in the work. I mean, We've discussed this before. Just go to an NBA arena and try to shoot just with nobody watching, nobody in your face, a set shot. That motherfucker's far away. This <laughs> dude's doing it at the end of a game, fading away over a seven-footer, and it hit net. Fucking special. And that's why I'm really so hard on this team outside of Dame, because the man deserves to fucking win. Like I want to see him 
go deep into the postseason. Like he deserves, like he deserves the casual fan cred. He deserves the media cred. He deserves the all-time great cred. And unfortunately, players who go deeper in the postseason just happen to give they get, they get the nod. Yeah, they get that rep. Dame's fucking good enough. Mm. He's better than most of these people we're talking about historically. But I guess he he just he hasn't had the the troops. Mm. Um, so that's why this season is has been so important. It hasn't gone our way, and you know injuries are a big part of that. But I do think Dame, in a way, has some control over his narrative, and he's going to continue to ball. But if if he can do this, Sage, while CJ and Yurk are out for an extended period of time. I think we're going to start seeing him in that MVP conversation. He damn near could win it in this year. Um, it's going to be tough, tough competition for Braun and Jokic and Embiid, and Embiid as well. But I, I don't think there is a better storyline, maybe a more deserving one than who Portland has lost and for the amount of time and in the competitive Western Conference. Again, we're a long ways away from those players returning. But if he can continue to <clears throat> to play like that. And also, I think it's important that we do win some of these games. You don't want Dame to be the next Harden, the next Bradley Beal, that next media story. Like Dame personally, because of the advent of the internet and social media, has been able to squash every single one of these rumors just with a tweet or Instagram post saying, Portland is where I want to be. We don't want to be the fan base that has to go through that that drama narrative, even though he's locked up <laughs> under contract. Worst. It's the fucking worst. And I, I, I've held off on tweeting it because I don't want us, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want that to be the the spark plug that, that gets everyone talking. But I think winning will help Dame as well. Be like, okay, like this it, is a struggle. It helps legitimize everything. Winning this will help legitimize This is a grind that everything. I feel like I can get over. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like we're, we're getting there. So more importantly than just one win, it's just a little bit of hope. And hopefully they can just continue to fight and we're not getting blown out, which is another positive. It's like, it's one to two plays that are defining these games. And yeah, we yeah. just got to start getting on the other end of those uh, results. Mm-hmm. I remember, I don't know if this was Dustin Hawes's internet or uh, Instagram or the Blazers at this time in like 2011, but I don't keep remembering seeing videos of like, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge rising up and hitting like a game winning shot or Dame. And then like a hip hop beat drops as the, the, the ball goes through the bucket. Like I remember Range Rover rhythm or, or it was your, it was your first Instagram. Cause I, I didn't think, I didn't think the Portland Trail Blazers could play that, that copyrighted music. But I remember that like that, that Dame shot needs to have some like background music behind it because of the epicness of what happened in that that play like and dame was so good against chicago like he hit clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot the last one is going to be the most popular but there's so many other shots that he took that were as important just not at you know zero 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 all right, Sage, let's get to a couple of fan questions before we start looking ahead to this week's slate of games. Uh, question from uh, Spokeland, uh, at Brutal Telling on uh, Twitter. A couple of uh, a couple ones from him. Let's start with the first one. 
Mello played a noticeably reduced role in the Chicago win, playing only 17 minutes after playing 35 and 38, respectively, against OKC and Houston. This was Mello's first sub 20 minute game in a Portland uniform without uh, an injury t- occurring. Has Terry Stotts shifted gears a quarter of the way through the season? No, I think that Carmelo Anthony was really bad that game. I think it was a negative 17, right? He was 3 of 15 against um, Houston, and he was 2 of 8, minus 23. He he and Harry Giles were, were atrocious that game. Yeah, he was rock awful that game. And I think, you know... I think Terry Stott saved him a little bit with with the with the him taking him out because he wasn't doing well and we had a chance to win that game. Rodney Hood deserved to play. He made a lot of clutch rotations, especially early game. So I think with Rodney making plays and Melo not, it was a really easy decision. Like we're trying to win games. Like that is the most important thing. I know Melo's legacy is a important thing. But let's be real. Winning games is the most important thing for Terry Stotts to think about right now. And I think Rodney Hood gave him a much better chance. Is In other games, when Melo is playing better, I think that he will take the line share of minutes from Rodney Hood. I mean, the second, I guess it was all one question, but the second part of the, the tweet says, in contrast, Rodney's minutes are increasing, averaging 25 in his last four games. Uh, he was closing in the last five minutes of Chicago as well. Those minutes have usually gone to Carmelo. Um, hmm. I, I think mean, Terry would just Melo made to... that play? No. The tie-up? Uh, Zach Levine? I think Rodney Hood was really key in that last five minutes of the rotation. Mel- Rodney played really solid defense that night, getting his hands in the passing lane. Carmelo, I expect to come up with maybe a clutch steal or his, the blocks that he likes the, to do. The quick reach in as the, at quick the driving. Reach, yeah. Yes, and on catch and shoots. Melo just has a different – like, and we've seen Melo – They have different skill sets. They have different skill sets. Melo won us the game against Toronto. He kept us in that game against Oklahoma City. I mean, we were just feeding him. Dame was cold that game against OKC, but Melo was red hot. I think Terry Stotts just needs to be honest with his team, with his, uh, with his players and says, if you got it going, I'm going to give you the ball and you're going to play the game. If you don't, you're going to sit the bench outside of Damian Lillard. No player should really get, you know, get guaranteed playing time. And I think nobody's really, yes, Carmelo's earned it over the course of his career, but the but player Carmelo is now it, it's it's 2020 folk it's 2021 focus it's 2021 Carmelo like yeah. we're not talking about 0709 mellow um and and I think that's fine like Carmelo is a minimum player coming off the bench and yes he has a legacy to protect but we need to win like we're not the the Portland Anthony's we're the Portland Trailblazers mm-hmm. and I think Carmelo has been a valuable player in his role but if if you're a catch and shoot player you're not hitting your threes I think there's other players that that we can that we can put in that position. So I, I was just happy to see Terry again go with the player that was having a better performance because and, the last and, thing, yeah, like if we needed a catch and shoot three pointer from Mello, I bet he would have been in. We needed defense. We needed to gain a lead against a team that, at that current time, was really driving and doing a really good job. Even though uh, you could tell Zach Levine was incredibly frustrated with how 
the game went for him that game, but they were driving and we needed someone to slow him down. And Rodney hood was up to the task. Uh, next question from uh, at CJ's tweeter girl wants to know how likely is it that CJ is going to shred in the playoffs? If we get there, <laughs> I think that that's, that's the million dollar question. I have no doubts about CJ right now. Um, no, like, I, I think he's he, a playoff guy too. You there like, you you see the defensive efforts go up immensely by CJ in the in the playoffs. Like one of his biggest moments as a professional athlete was the the chase down block against Denver. Right, like, he 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 takes it to a new level. Um, I think it's a, I think we got to get there, and I have no I have no doubts in Dame CJ Gary Trent uh, in the playoffs. Like those guys are playoff guys. I I, I can see a way where teams could make Robert Covington irrelevant or DJJ irrelevant or Nurkic irrelevant, but I trust those three to be in the right position and play major minutes in the playoffs. Yep. I think CJ has found a mental advantage this year. He, he's locked in. I think he, he found his rhythm. Um, he's just been a noticeably different player. I hope the injury doesn't set him back uh, too much, but but you mentioned yeah we we got to get there first and we got to get a favorable matchup. I don't think going going up against the Clippers, you know, the, the Lakers, or Clippers are going to do any Blazer any favor. Like you want to start building some rhythm in the playoffs and then get to that showdown. Um, but I do think like if we can get get healthy and, and stay afloat, and you know to me CJ is not the person that that stirs stirs the drink. We got to get Nurt going, and we haven't really talked about him because he's really the the X factor when when he's locked in and he's playing at, at peak level. Like you, even CJ, the previous few years, still a really great player, clutch player as well. He's elevated now. Like you don't take them for granted, but you know what you should get. Like they're your all stars, they're your best two players. They they should dominate in the postseason, but for Portland you need your version of Draymond Green and that has to be Yusuf Nurkic. So we'll see. Um, Hopefully he gets um, healthy back. He gets right. And the Blazers can can start to make their, their playoff push. But in order to make a playoff push Sage, we need to stay healthy and we need to uh, maintain as, as we have talked about all podcasts. And we have four more games this week, which will finish up Portland's uh, six game Eastern road trip. Sage, the games we have coming up, we have a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, starting off in Milwaukee, and this was a schedule shift, so we are now playing the Washington Wizards on Tuesday the 7th. We then played the Eastern Conference leading Philadelphia 76ers Thursday the 4th, and then we get the New York Knicks at the 10 a.m. tip local time on Saturday. Sage, let's start first with the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you got for us? I mean... This is going to be a very tough matchup for us. I mean, it always is. Milwaukee brought in a very, very good point of attack defender in Drew Holiday. In my opinion, the best. Um, What they do defensively is they will allow your worst shooters to take very open jumpers. And all of the pressure is at Giannis and Brooke Lopez to make a play. They will contest every post or every dribble drive with multiple bodies coming at you. And then you have to get past Drew Holiday to even get to the paint, which is a monumental task as a person who's watched a lot of Drew Holiday. This is this the way the Blazers win this game is everyone outside of Dame 
has a ceiling night three-point shooting-wise. That's where you can get games against Milwaukee, and that's where you get wins against Milwaukee is otherworldly three-point shooting. Uh, there was a game against the New Orleans Pelicans. Eric Bledsoe, Lonzo Ball hit multiple threes in that game, and it spread the, the Bucks out, and they had to actually respect Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball. And that led to Zion and, and Brandon Ingram being able to do what those two do. So I think the number one thing we can have to do is be able to hit the open three. And I'm looking at DJJ, Robert Covington. Maybe they uh, challenge Gary, uh, Gary Trent, but I think that we have to have a very positive game from three to even think about winning this game. So it felt like it had been a long time since Portland had beat Milwaukee. We haven't won there since 2013. Uh, basically Giannis's rookie year. So it, it's been some time and Portland's going to have to do it shorthanded, which seems like we always play Milwaukee uh, shorthanded. We played them shorthanded last year. I remember it being close until the end, but this is going to be a game where you're really thankful that you do have a player like Robert Covington who can at least put some sort of a body on Giannis. We had nobody last year. Would it be DJ, if GJJ was healthy, would it be Giannis or would he be on Giannis or would it be Robert Covington? I mean, either or. I think you can decide what, what you want to do. But I think for Portland, your best hope is if Milwaukee overlooks you. Because mm-hmm. we've done that in the past when we've seen an injured team uh, stroll into town. I think we need to not have lapses where we let Milwaukee just get red hot from beyond the arc. And, mm-hmm. and they can, and they can do, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're looking for an X factor, you just mentioned it. Derek Jones Jr., Robin Covington, but on the offensive end, are they going to hit their open shots? Mm-hmm. If they don't, it's going to be curtains, lights out. We have Game the gets a lot, nice long rest. That, that's we have what the potential happened. to win in a shootout. Uh, there's no way we're, we're stifling the, the Milwaukee Bucks. No, no, no. Um, I have us just losing this one. Yeah, I have maybe, us at, maybe at full strength. It, it, Giannis it's a really Lopez. bad matchup for where we are right now. It's like if the Brooke worst. Lopez possible. is going to pull Giannis or he's going to pull Ennis Cantor Ennis out, out of the, of the paint. We aren't going to get rebounds, bro. How are we going to get rebounds? <laughs> so I have uh, a loss. I think you do as well. So the Blazers are actually going to win this just because we <laughs> we put our flag in the ground that we were going to lose. They're going to they're going to have like the ceiling of ceiling game from three. Up next is the Washington Wizards, who had a shootout win uh, recently over the Brooklyn Nets, one forty nine to one forty six. They are still four and twelve, last in the Eastern Conference, just two and six uh, at home. But they have Bradley Beal, who is averaging about thirty five a night, which is tops in the tops in the NBA. And they also have Davis Bertans and Russ Russell is, Westbrook. Is so is the Wizards playing the day before or the day after? Because the Wizards don't play Russell Westbrook on back-to-backs. So if this was like the second of a back-to-back. First of a back-to-back for them. So he's playing. He's playing. You know he's playing this game. He wants to play against Dan. Which I think helps Portland. Yeah, I mean, Russell Westbrook will affect the amount of ball handling responsibilities Bradley Beal has. Just plain and simple. Um, The Wizards are the fastest team in the league. One of the worst defensively. So that's good for us. Uh, Bradley Beal in one of his post-game interviews said, we can't defend a parked car. And I think that that is a very quotable, quotable thing. Um, We're in the club, Brad. I think this is going to be really an interesting game. 
They can't stop anybody, and we can't stop anybody. I think Damon. Oh, it, it's going to be a shoot shootout. Out. Like uh, you bet the over in this game. You bet the over, whatever it is. Like we are going to score a lot of points. This is going to be a fast-paced game. Pace up, <clears throat> and when it's a pace-up matchup, means there's more possessions. More possessions means more shots. More shots means more opportunities for Damian Lillard to have a Damian Lillard type of ceiling game. I mean, I think that this is one of the games that we absolutely can win. I think that what we have to do is find a way to slow down Bradley Beal as best as can as we can. And luckily for us, we do have two great point of attack defenders. So I would like to see Gary and uh, DJJ, if he is healthy, on him for the full 48 minutes. Like we can't let some non one of those two defend him because then he's going to get hot. He's going to, he scores 35 every game, make it. So it's as difficult as possible for him to get to his 35 points. I think my statistical X factor is going to be turnovers. You you mentioned that there's going to be a lot of possessions, a lot of up and down the team that's able to take care of the basketball will actually get to take part in those possessions rather than turn the ball over, which will lead to probably a lot of fast break points, a lot of open opportunities for, for the, for the team who's forcing the turnover. So Portland can take care of the ball and conversely, force Washington to cough up the ball, those extra possessions, those extra easy buckets, they're going to come in handy down the stretch. Now, what I'm looking for is I want to see, I think uh, my X factor is Gary Trent. I, I want to see how he defends against Bradley Beal. I'm not mm. expecting him to shut him down, but if we're talking about Gary getting a nice payday, I want to see how he does against the best scorer currently in the NBA. I also want to see how we guard Davis Bertans. I, I can already envision him getting a lot of looks that Mike Muscala and Lowry Markkinen got. They're going to swing the they're going to swing the ball around. We need to make sure it's guys like Rui Hachimura or Troy Brown Jr. or fucking Russell Westbrook. Beg, I would play off and dare Russell Westbrook to shoot from the perimeter. If he makes it, you tip your hat and, and you move on your, your merry day. But that's the way to slow down the Wizards. Is- yeah, make make other players take the ball away from Bradley Beal. I mean, they, they have dealt with COVID and it's affected their team a lot. Denny Avdi is back. Rui Hachimura is back. Davis is back. So they finally are getting more than eight players to work with. So it's going to be interesting to see how they actually implement all of these new players in. Cause it really was just eight. Um, I think we win this game. I think it's a shootout. And I think that the Blazers get the upper hand because if Russell's playing, he's going to negatively affect Bradley Beal. I'm picking win only because if the Blazers want to stay afloat you have yeah, to beat the, the worst team in the eastern conference i mean if, if you can't beat them we, we may need to start looking at exit strategies for the season because it's only going to get more difficult so this is to me this is a must win if you want a 500 road trip and you want to stay afloat i know we're february i know it's early this is a must win for the blazers we have to be very careful that we don't let the season get out of hand and if you don't beat the wizards it's it, it could it could. Mm. So I do have us winning just because I think we have to approach it like it's a, like it's a playoff game. Uh, we go from the worst team in the East to the best team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, 15 and six, absolutely dominant at home, 10 and one in the city of brotherly love uh, Sage. This seems like a tall task. I mean, we can hope that Joel Embiid's back is still hurting like that. <laughs> 
he was out today and then Tony Bradley and Dwight Howard got the 48 minutes. Um, dude, this team's really, really good. <laughs> they finally have shooters to, to surround uh, Ben. It Smith. will be the second night of a back-to-back for them. They play in Charlotte. He's the night been before. doing a really good job of playing back-to-backs, unfortunately. I'm just us. talking about in general, them being on the second night of a back-to-back. I mean... With this 2021 season, anything can happen. But if we're playing with the players we have and they have the players that they have, I think that this is going to be a very bad game for us. How do we defend Joel Embiid? That, like, he is their biggest usage rate monster. He draws fouls at an incredibly great rate. How are we going to be able to have any big man on the floor to contest him? Like, I could see this being a game where Ennis gets two really quick fouls because of uh, Joel Embiid's ability to draw them. Like, how are we going to have any rebounding against this team? Like, we, we, we can talk about anything else. We can talk about – we have to figure out how we get rebounds against this team before we talk about how to defend Ben Simmons or how to – cover their shooters. How are we going to be able to have a big man on the court against Joel Embiid with his prowess in getting free throws and rebounds and doing what Jojo does every single day? He's, he's, he's the MVP candidate for a reason. He's been absolutely fantastic this year. Yeah. I think Portland in the past when they played the Sixers, especially in Philly have had a bit of a trouble keeping Ben Simmons out of the paint I think we need to do a, a good job of keeping him on the perimeter. Of course, that's where you want Ben Simmons to do. Treat Embiid like you would Harden. Just try not to send him to the foul line. Of course, we have one big body in NS Cancer, but <laughs> this, you know, we may get kind of, you know, screwed on the rebounds, but it, it might be a nice, um, just kind of a curveball if we went small a bit. And again, if you're having, let's say, Covington or Carmelo at the five and then beads on the floor, he's going to have to come out on the perimeter. That may open it up for Dame. So Portland is not going to win any games, I think, right now on the defensive end consistently. You, may, you might get your stops. We're going to win by by putting up a, a shit ton of points led by Damian Lillard. You might have to go a little rocket small ball here when they did in the past. And it might work. Again, the Blazers live and die by the three. If we're not hitting the three regardless, we're not going to have a chance. It, it might be a nice switch up because the odds are stacked significantly in your favor to not win this game. I mean, we're just, our backs are up against the wall. We got dealt a bad hand. You name the cliche, Portland has it going into this contest. Um, so my X factor is going to be, what does Terry Stotts do differently? Like, can he think outside of the box on this one? Because really, if you're Terry Stotts, you're playing with house money. Nobody is expecting you to win this game. You're going up against the best team in the East. It's a matchup nightmare given current roster constructions. Try doing something a little different and increase you know, the, the the randomness. Increase, increase the, the randomness. The, yeah, the, and increase the variance. I, I think my X factor is going to be three point shooting. It, can we get hot? We we've seen we can beat any team if we get hot from downtown. Uh, Player wise, Dame. Yeah, obviously. If Dame, if Dame gets you fifty, you got a chance. I I don't think we I think we, we beat this team. Yeah, they're just too good at home. Uh, but to close out good. the road <laughs> yeah. to close out the road trip, Portland does have a winnable contest. This if they would be the beat the Knicks, get that win against the Wizards or any other one, 
it'd be three and three. And you take that even with a fully healthy Mm -hmm. roster. Mm -hmm. Uh, Portland recently played this team. They had them down big. They fought back a bit, but Portland still won 116 to 113. Uh, we did a pretty good job, I thought, on on Julius Randle. Yeah, he, he had definitely one of his worst games of of, of the season. Covington was like Huge. a glove on him, played him really well. But it was the 31 off the bench from the rookie uh, Emmanuel Quickly, mm-hmm. who got to the line eight times, hit five of eight from downtown. Now I don't know if that was a ceiling game or a little bit of a fluke. Um, just they had a the really blue. crazy rotation. If you looked at the game flow. Alfred Payton played the first 12 minutes. Emmanuel played the second 12. Uh, Alfred Payton played the, the third entire third quarter and quickly played the entire fourth quarter. It was a very weird rotation from Tibbs. Um, we played him before. I feel really confident about Rocco's ability to defend uh, Julius Randle, who's having a tremendously good year. Uh, I think quickly did have a... Uh, a ceiling game against us. I don't think that we would approach him the same way this time because of how he, how effective he was against us. I think that, uh, I think the Blazers win. I think that we have to focus on Julius Randle because Julius Randle is the point guard of this team. I know that Elfin and Emmanuel quickly bring the ball up, but if you watch how they run their offense, it's Julius Randle. And the last time we played him, everybody's head was directed at Julius Randle every time he touched the ball. That's the same type of mentality we have to have against the Knicks this time. Be the more physical team. Can't deal with them feeling confident. We have to be as aggressive or even more so than New York Knicks, and we get the win if we can. Yeah, my X factor, again, is going to be Rocco on both ends of the floor. You look at the job he did on Randle last time around. He also has the ability to improve. He shot the ball absolutely poorly uh, in Portland, 107 from the field, including 0 of 6 from downtown. If he starts to get hot, I think that opens things up so much more. Clearly, Dame has the ability to get busy against this team. 39 and 8, made it look easy. 6 of 10 from downtown, got to the line 11 times. Portland was 21 of 23 in that last contest from the free throw line against the Knicks. Uh, they... They can get to the deep. They can get to the line. Don't settle for the three. I know Mitchell Robinson has the ability to block a shot here or there, but outside of him, and Nerlens is, is banged up right now. They're not going to be a threat to they're block his scared. shot. Mm. No, they're not. So I think if we make a conscious effort, run some pick and roll with Ennis, get to the get to the bucket. You know, let Ant come off those curls. Don't settle for those jumpers. Um, this this could be a game where you're you're making your living in the paint. Um, obviously, Run pick and roll against Obi Toppin. Oh my God! Please, please, and thank you. Uh, but I, I I do think um, Portland wins. That the player I want to watch out for because it seems like he's been killing us a little bit lately is Alec Burks. He had 18 mm-hmm. points, five of eight from downtown, um, and he got a lot of open shots off of our defense. So um, pay some <laughs> attention to Julius Randall. But Portland can't forget Burks. Make sure it's more, you know, R.J. Barrett or Alfred Payton taking these these jumpers rather than Austin Rivers. Um, yeah, Alec yeah. Burks. So you um, know, it's a no, it's a know your personnel type of game. Um, I think we win, so, and you know, we have the same exact predictions. And I picked but it was, up a, it game. Was a very simple. It was a yeah. very simple picks. I picked up a game on you last week. Um, oh. I wasn't happy about it, but uh, we are both nine and nine on the season. So I'll take five hundred in a very fluky ass year. Yeah, 
So yeah, uh, I think that about wraps it up. Sage, any any final words or you want to close this bad boy out? Um, Thank you to everybody who actually uh, was involved in the amount of tweets Tara and I sent out because uh, the league changed the time slots of that game. We weren't able to do a live stream. So she and I just tweeted out like all the information that we were going to say. Like I talked about usage rates and rebounding rates and you know, lineup construction for the Rockets. So thank you so much for uh, checking that out. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio. And thank you so much for listening. If you like us, five-star us, subscribe to us, and share it with your friends. And we'll be here next week. So thank you so much for listening and stay healthy. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!